is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hands off to Minner, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Strike right, three called, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Sunset College, underdog, and then one! Exclamation point! Pump the brakes! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We have hit the month of May. We are fully into spring sports season. We are almost to summer sports talk season, which is just an oasis of... (laughs) Absolutely nothing to talk about other than football position previews, and there's always something going on. I'm excited about the football position previews. Always something going on. Uh, But we are uh, here for you here on my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, Dad. It is May 6th, and we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to hit some baseball later on with Evan Bland. We'll touch on uh, some football uh, as well with Evan uh, from the Omaha World Herald. Nebraska women's basketball misses out on a big transfer portal target. Uh, Husker Hoops, though, the men's side, Killing it. is where I want to start this show. Uh, Nebraska already had a couple of transfers in the boat. Then they got the Kase, hey, I'm, I'm just going to dip my toe in the NFL draft. I still retain my eligibility. NFL draft? What's NBA, he playing? NBA. <laughs> the NFL draft just happened. All no, right? you're we'll good. talk about you're that good. later, you're too. Good. You're good. And so, so all signs point to Kase returning, and now this week you also get a couple more transfers for this fifth season of Fred Hoiberg's tenure. It's Aaron Eulis, point guard from Iowa, and Josiah Alec, big man from New Mexico via UMKC, via Lincoln North Star High School. Uh, Wilhelm Bradenbach in the portal. Yeah, you saw that coming. God, God bless you. Those Rex specs, I'll miss them. Uh, but but Nebraska's now got four new additions to their squad for this season, um, and and I I think it's interesting. You, three of them have more than one season of eligibility. Alex, the only one who's got one year left. Everybody else, Ulysses, Mast, Williams, they've got two years left. Ulysses was kind of the missing piece because he's going to be a pure point guard for you. He's not a big time scorer. He's looking to distribute he's looking to set up teammates just 6.1 points per game last year for Iowa was that was not his role to score no so you have him Williams and Mast however 13 14 points per game Alec he's going to be able to help on the front line with rebounding six foot eight 235 uh, 8.4 points per game 7.3 rebounds per game for NIT bound New Mexico uh, what are your thoughts on the latest additions to Nebraska there's a basketball? Lot, there's a lot of thoughts. There's there's a lot. The first one is, holy crud, they're big. 6'9", <laughs> Rank Mask. 6'7", yep. Bryce Williams. 6'8", Josiah Alec. Aaron Ewell's a little smaller with the point guard, but still. not He's not I, Sam Griesel's level point no, guard. He's just 6'3". No. But still, you get three guys who are 6'7 or over. I mean, it just goes to show you how... Hoiberg's adapting, and he understands that he needs big bodies, and he needs rebounds, and he needs you know just people to match up with the physicality of the Big Ten. He went out, you know, goes out, and you could see through the transfer portal that he's addressing that. Rebounding was a big deal 
last year. I mean, there were many instances, in, especially early in the season, where it was if they lose the rebounding battle, they're going to lose the game. With the amount of height that they have and with Mask is a rebounder, Williams is a rebounder, Alec is a rebounder, it's kind of a complete 180 in terms of this team is going to be able to rebound, and most nights they are going to win the rebounding battle, at least on, on the outlook of it. Now, you lose Derek Walker. Mm. It's a lot of rebounds. You're losing Bandamel, you know, and Gary, who, you know. No, Gary's back. Oh, Gary's back. But we don't know if he's. He, he'll he still be coming off think? the injury, but he's certainly a guy who will. Well, you don't know where he falls in the glass. fold now. Sure. If we're being honest here. Sure, yeah. You know, but especially with Bandamel, him being lost, Grease will pick up a lot of rebounds as well. So. That's what I'm encouraged about with with these additions. Rebounding was addressed. Height was addressed. Now, the Euless one is interesting to me because you're absolutely right. He's the playmaker. He's the facilitator. He's that guard that you're essentially losing with Greasel. He's going to take that Greasel role of kind of initiating the offense. But where does that put Jamarcus Lawrence? Where does that put Bryce Williams? Where does that put, you know, these other guards that, that you already had that had these roles already, right? So, because you can't start, you can't start Euless, Tominaga, and Lawrence. And it seemed like towards the end of the year, Lawrence was kind of picking up that momentum to be the point guard of the future for this team. A little bit. So now, is Euless coming off the bench? Like, he, you know, he had 23 minutes per game with Iowa which is good. So that could be a role for... I'm just curious, where does that put Jamarcus Lawrence in that fold? Because right now you for sure have Tominaga at the at the two. You have Bryce Williams at the three. You have Mass at the five. Who would you put at the four? Well, so you're you're still going to have Blaze Keita. You're going to have Keita. He, he could factor into this if he can stay healthy. He added some injury issues as well. Um, I... I think you like Williams in certain situations as the four. He's got the size. I don't know that Alex starts. If Alex starts, he could be your four. He could be your five. Um, and you still got C.J. Wilcher, by the way. And you yep. got Sam Hoiberg. Yep. So, and, and you Ramel, got Ramel Lloyd Jr. Ramel Lloyd, I think, is so the wild card for the whole exactly. operation. I, the, you, you add, Ulysses is, the, is just the weird one for me because you already had a lot of guard play. And you already had guys who you thought could fill certain roles. I'm not saying it was a bad addition at all. It's a great addition. Euless is a really good player. He's a really good playmaker. You lost that with Greasel. You replaced it with him. He's got a ton of experience. All these guys could, by the way. Mm-hmm. All the, only Mask is the only one who didn't play 30 games last year. Mm-hmm. He played 29. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not saying it like I, well, I'm I'm confused why they added Euless. You had a, you see a good player. You had a good player. But it's just interesting to me now where. You're going to be seeing guys now, for sure, who you thought might have a bigger role this year and who had big roles last year who are going to have decreased roles, obviously, now with these four transfer additions. And it, it, it's no surprise that Wilhelm Breidenbach transfers because he was kind of he wasn't going to get any playing time now, which yeah. I feel bad for Wilhelm because his freshman year, he was kind of coming on towards that end, towards before he hurt his knee, and then it was just hard for him to kind of rebound from that and find a role in the team. But I think that, look, I like all these transfers. I think they address the needs. You got score, you have rebounders, you have a lot of experience, you have a a playmaker now, but it's just, I I don't know where 
certain guys are in the fold. You could come out and Jamarcus Lawrence could be coming off the bench this season, which is something that I wouldn't I wouldn't have circled on my bingo card going into the season. That's fair. I I don't agree that it's weird that you get Euless in this transfer class because I think he is the pure point guard that replaces Sam Griesel's. Sure. You're going to need other guys to play point guard at times. Injuries happen, stuff happens, but when Euless is healthy, I think Euless is your point guard. He's your starting point guard. Jamarcus Lawrence coming off the bench, he made big strides last year. He can be a spot starter uh, as a two-guard if if you have other issues there. Uh, he can be a big six-man type of situation for you as well. I think if Gary comes back fully healthy, Gary will be in line to be a starter. Kase, I think, is certainly going to be a starter if he's back. I think, I think he'll that's, be back. I think that's I think three that's of them. So, and then, so and then you, you have Rink so Mast and Bryce Williams, I think, maybe your four so or five. You, are you saying that... Four of these five guys, three of these three, three of these are gonna these guys gonna start. You think potentially? I, that's, that's that's if that's wild. That's, that's if, wild. If that's, that's if the you case. don't have. And I mean, Blaze Keita, he could be a starter. He could come off the bench. His role. Is, I think it would be more in the Fred Hoiberg playbook, honestly, to put masks at the five and start put, him. Start him. Mm-hmm. Start all four. Well, not all. I don't no, think no, no, no. Sorry. Yeah. Mask at the five, Williams at the four. Yep. Ulyss at point. Ulyss at point. Tominaga at the two. You move. Can Gary play the three? I mean, he's probably not. So then it's either that it's either Ramel Lloyd, Jamarcus Lawrence, or Wilcher, or CJ Wilcher. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just a little nervous about bringing Lawrence off the bench and bench in this transfer portal. You know era of college basketball cuz I think I think he's such a talented player and what else did what else did he have to prove from last season to this season honestly for him I, not to have a starting job he got better he got better as the season went on and he became incredibly reliable and by the way was starting to end the year end the year he was starting yeah yeah and now, and he was, now he was, his average was only—he only had five point, you know, only averaged five points because during the year he was playing six minutes a game, ten right. minutes a game, not doing anything. That, but you look that's at these skewed. those last yeah. four games against eleven against Minnesota, fifteen against Michigan State. By the way, he probably was one of the the, the best player on the court against mm-hmm. Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Fifteen against Iowa, twelve against Minnesota. Again, he had double digits against Wisconsin. He had double digits against Penn State. He had double digits against Northwestern. I mean. It's it's he's a he's a freshman yeah. who has proven that he can be a point guard and had shown nothing but incredible improvement throughout the year. And I think it's incredibly risky to tell this guy, Hey, we love you. You're a dynamic athlete. You're a really good scorer who has he has the potential to be the best scorer on this team next year, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Could. Without a doubt in my mind, could very well average the most points per game on this team. And you're going to tell him, hey, we brought in the guy you're not starting. I don't know. I don't know how that works. And I think that any team, any Power 5 team, would be happy to scoop Jamarcus Lawrence up and be like, hey, we'll take you. You can start in our team. Seriously. I, I, I think it's a major risk. I think it's a major risk to not start I don't disagree that you could have other teams come sniffing around, but here's the thing: in in the era of the transfer portal, I don't I don't know that it matters whether you play guys 
when they're young for lots of minutes and show them some love. And I'll give you an exhibit A from the football team, and that's Ernest Hausman. He played because of injury a lot towards the end of the year, his freshman year, just like Jamarcus Lawrence did. And then he just up and left. Well, that was a coaching change. He was a Barrett, he was Barrett Rude guy. He was a Scott Frost guy. I yes, I understand that. Was, that. That's what that had to do with it. That's what I'm saying. There's not there are so many other factors. Sure. You can't just base it on, hey, this guy's going to get minutes so we don't lose him. Because you can give guys minutes and then still lose him anyway. I'm not Jamarcus yeah. Lawrence's role on this coming twenty three, twenty four season's team, I don't think is is going to be the end all be all in terms of whether or not he finishes out his four year career here. Yeah. It may be a factor, but I mean, if you're Fred Hoiberg and and you have a conversation with Jamarcus and Jamarcus says, "Hey, I, I don't know about this. Sure, what what do you get? What are you doing? Bring these guys in? You can turn right back around and tell Jamarcus Lawrence, "Hey, you're going to get this literally anywhere else you go. You're telling me that if you go play at K State or if you go play at Cal, that those coaches aren't going to try to find better players. Every coach in America but is trying think, to go and but, find but, better but, players. But, but so okay. you you bring him in. You're and Absolutely right. You bring these guys in off the out of the portal and let them compete. So, if Jamarcus Lawrence is the better player, Jamarcus Lawrence should start. And if that's the way it bears out, then you can't complain about it. But I I'm how do I, I I'm let me clarify my stance here. It is not a it is an, it is a good thing they got Aaron Eulis. It's a yeah. good thing they got a playmaker because they need it. Okay. Yeah. But he's but you're not going to play him. 35 minutes a game. He's not a guy who can play 35 minutes a game. He averaged, I think, 27 or 28 23 minutes. minutes a 23 minutes a game. 23 minutes, okay. 23 yeah. minutes a game at Iowa. Okay. So you're not, he's, it's not like this is a, a known starting point guard. Mm. It's not like Aaron Eulis is like, oh, this is a, hey, he's a premier starting playmaking point guard. No, he's, he's a good player who can come in and, and playmake. But I think there is, when we're looking at the comparison between Jamarcus Lawrence and Aaron Eulis, okay? I think it is a it, it could be a potential potentially negative thing and a risk to play Jamarcus off the bench when Jamarcus has shown that he can be a starting point guard. And I think that you don't you don't think there would be a little bit of love loss between any player if they were the starter to end the year and show nothing but improvement and nothing but good basketball play and then their team went and got another guy who would play over him. Even though they they did everything they could at the end of the year and show nothing but improvement throughout the year, I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not speaking for Jamarcus. I'm not speaking for. I'm not saying this is what he's going to think. But I do think there is a bit of a risk doing that. And I'm and I'm just I'm just throwing it out there, throwing it out there. And I just think I just the lineup to me. It just if you throw I don't know I just I just don't see Jamarcus coming off the bench I just don't know how you can bring him coming off the bench which is why I said it was a little it was a little weird to me that they went out and they got a point guard but to to your point they need a playmaking point guard you need you need somebody to be able to distribute you need you more than you need more than one guy also you do you have Greasel and Lawrence being able to play it last but who year who says that Lawrence can't be that playmaking guy. I'm not saying that he can't. No, be. I know, but he could develop into that. I just think it's an interesting conversation, which it is. is why we have it. I, I thought it was extremely interesting, and I hope all the listeners stuck around with that as we talk about Nebraska men's basketball on May 6th here, uh, with a lot, uh, a few other things going on, and and we will uh, we will continue to 
you know, watch as the evolution of that continues. Case uh, by the way, has until May 31st to back okay. out of the NBA draft okay. process. Very good. So by the end of this month, we will know. We will know definitively whether or not Casey now if Casey doesn't like commit, this conversation was for nothing because it's all just an, <laughs> an assumption that he's coming back. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right. Well, we're we're gonna hope that that conversation mattered and uh, that our next conversation is gonna matter for sure. So stick around. Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald is gonna join us to talk some football and baseball right after this on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour rolling along here on your Saturday morning. And another, another week in the books with Nebraska baseball, which means another midweek game, which means another just head-scratching performance from Will Bolt's Bunch, and, and here to break that down and more with us uh, on the morning show, here is Evan Bland of the Omaha World-Herald. Evan, at this point, what do you even say with Nebraska is is actually lower down in the Summit League standings than they are in the Big Ten standings? <laughs> well, yeah, that's one way to look at it. I think your sigh kind of says it all. Um, it has. It's been just a confounding stretch for Nebraska when you have a season that you beat Vanderbilt, which is a top five team still contending in the SEC, but you can't win a season series against Omaha. You lose a midweek to South Dakota State, now North Dakota State this week. Um, you know, it, it is. It's it's, <clears throat> it's frustrating. I think players and coaches are looking for answers. Uh, it, it's just been a weird season where in the Big Ten uh, standings, you look up and you see Nebraska's one four out of the five weekends they're only two games out of first place and yet the rpi is above 120 they're well out of at large range for an ncaa tournament spot and they're five and five in the midweek and so you know i i still feel like this is a team when you look at its top end players that can go on a run and guys like max anderson bryce matthews can carry your offense emmett olsen uh, is still on track to be drafted, I think in the, in the uh, MLB draft here this summer. And so you have some guys that have had, you've seen flashes of what they can do, what their upside is. Um, but there've been too many flat performances, too many days when maybe the focus isn't there from pitch to pitch or maybe on, on some of those midweeks. So it, it's a situation now where you honestly wouldn't be surprised if, if they found a way to bottom out and miss the big 10 tournament. But I also don't think you'd be surprised if they were, in contention for this thing uh, into the last weekend of the year. So really hard team to peg. I think that's probably the most frustrating part is you just don't know day to day what you're going to get. Well, let me bounce a theory off of you, Evan. So they've, they've, they're down to one more midweek game. I guess you can call it like 1.2, whatever. They're going to finish up that other Creighton game, and then they'll finish that, that third Creighton game. But once they get out of that pattern of, of trying to figure out, okay, which, which non-weekend starter – is is hot enough and and looks consistent enough to start this midweek game uh and 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 then have that not actually work out and have guys you know whatever not motivated once they get out of that and they get into a pattern of just looking at the weekend is it possible to see that talent come through and that focus really shine and and have them be just locked in enough to say all right it's big 10 weekends and then it's a big 10 tournament weekend and then maybe if they win that it's a regional week. they they have that 
they have that in them, right? Is is that does that theory hold water to you? I think so. Yeah, I mean, you know, midweeks. First of all, you see Kooky scores every Tuesday and Wednesday. You pick a day, and you're going to see a top twenty-five team losing to somebody that they shouldn't. I think Nichols beat LSU a couple weeks ago on a Tuesday night. So, you know, if, first of all, it happens. But when it becomes a trend, the way that it has with Nebraska, I think that's reflective of this idea that the top end talent is there, but something that they've struggled to do is to find that depth, particularly on the pitching side of things where you do feel like you have, you know, four or five arms that could go out and give you five or so innings on a given night. I I think that's been reflected in the starting rotation on the weekends where after Olsen and Kaminska, they've tried a bunch of different guys on Sundays and they've settled on Walsh and, and and he's been pretty good. But I think that's just, it sort of reflects this reality that, they felt like they've had two aces all year, and then they kind of dropped down a tier to the next group of guys. And you're just—it's almost like a running back in football where you're trying to find that hot hand and somebody that you can get on a roll with. And so, I, I do think if you get into the weekends and you're talking about you're only having to use maybe your top six or seven pitchers, that does favor a team like Nebraska that's a little more top-heavy, but maybe doesn't have that depth on the back end. And, and we saw it a couple of years ago with their team that won the big 10 regular season in 21 when they didn't play any midweeks. And all they had to do was focus almost like a, again, almost like a football schedule where you play on the weekends and then you have the week off to reset. I do think that can potentially play to Nebraska's favor. Um, you just have to, you have to show up. Your dudes have to be dudes. I think the offense for the most part has held up its end of the bargain. And it's again, just about, can you get some consistency from the pitching, uh, can your defense, which has been pretty good, not make sort of that critical error that lets things unravel? Mm-hmm. And I think, again, there's there, there's the potential for them to go on a run. You've got Penn State and Purdue, which are not uh, great teams by any stretch, left on the schedule. So you can get hot, make the Big Ten tournament, and see what happens. Evan, Matt here. I want to thank you for coming on the show, as always. And you, you kind of touched on it a little bit at the end of part of your, your last answer, but I think that playoffs and winning a championship and I think in terms for Nebraska getting to the NCAA tournament at this point is all about clicking at the right time right picking up steam at the right time so when they go into Omaha when they go into the Big Ten tournament they could potentially make a run which you've been talking about a lot they're playing a a really really good Maryland team a ranked Maryland team a Maryland team that's won eight games in a row won their last five Big Ten games in a row on the road no less what do you think this team has to do in order to kind of put all the pieces together and pick up a, a big series win to, to get themselves going into and, and lock themselves into the Big Ten tournament? Well, this I think when it comes to Maryland specifically, you need to have your pitchers not make a lot of mistakes. I mean, you look at what Maryland is good at. They hit a ton of home runs. They have 101 home runs second Jeez. nationally in the country right now. So, you know, you're, if you if you make a mistake, they're going to hit it a long way. And you look at kind of the rest of their team, and their their defense is pretty good. Um, their pitching is below average, actually one of the worst in the league at this point, which is, uh, I think, a little bit surprising given that they're sort of a veteran group. But th- that, to me, is the challenge for these guys. You need Emmett Olsen, Jace Kaminska, uh, whoever comes out of the bullpen, Jake Buns or Shea Shanneman or whomever, um, to keep the ball in the yard, maybe get some ground grounders. Um, and I, I think the offense is going to – again, handle its part, and it's going to score some runs against these Maryland pitchers. Um, It's just, what are you going to get out of your rotation? And last weekend against Minnesota, they actually got decent starts from everybody. 
um, the week before that, in Iowa City, it was a total dud. Everybody, um, you know, it gave short outings. It put too much stress on the bullpen and things mm-hmm. unraveled from there. So, you know, as I wrote this week, to me, this series is about clarity for what Nebraska's season is going to look like the rest of May. Because if you win the series, suddenly you're in the top, you know, three or four in the league. And, and the league race becomes relevant or stays relevant for you the rest of the way. If you lose the series or if you get swept then suddenly the focus becomes just making the Big Ten tournament and finding a way to do that. You know, history says, since this has been a 13-team league, that if you get to 13 wins, you're you're in every year. That's been the case to this point. So Nebraska essentially needs to find a way over these last nine games to win four of them. And if you can even take one this weekend, that takes a lot of stress off down the stretch, um, you know, for, for what you need to do to get to Omaha and again. Once you get to Omaha, you're going to have a sizable home field advantage. You have star power that can match anybody else that's going to be in that Big Ten field. You just need to get there. And so I think this is a weekend where Nebraska can position itself uh, to not have too much pressure down the stretch trying to qualify for Omaha. I'm going to shift gears with you and, and talk a little football. I, it's This is kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know that Jeff Sims is getting enough hype. Does that sound weird? Like Nebraska football not getting him hype, and it's May. Uh, obviously, Casey Thompson's not here anymore. Your your quarterback room's down to three. The big battle now is going to be the backup job between Harburg and Purdy. But Sims has hey, this is an NFL guy. This is Matt Rule's talking about him like he's locked in starter. They're they're not going to ask him to do too much. I don't think because they're going to lean on the run game and they like the running back room and the offensive line while. Having you know some some injuries and and some guys coming back from suspension, you, you think you you like your guys up front. Sims is is set up to. I don't. I mean, I don't know that they're going to all of a sudden win a bunch of games, but he's set up to maybe have a pretty good season. And I think some people are taking it for granted. Some people are are just not sure what to think because it's a brand new system. What what are your thoughts on on the Jeff Sims? lack of hype or, or maybe, maybe forthcoming hype soon enough. You know, in a weird way, I feel like with Casey Thompson's departure into the portal, that's sort of what took a lot of that hype off because I think for many months there, there was sort of this anticipation that this is going to be a real quarterback battle in the fall camp. And we didn't get that in the spring because Casey was limited recovering from that shoulder injury. And so, uh, you know, I think there's just sort of this assumption at this point, and, and probably rightfully so, that this is Jeff Sims' job to lose um, when you look at who was left in the room and, and, and what have you. So I think that's probably where it starts. And, and you know, this is the kind of the, the point of the year where you start looking at what are the givens on this team and then what has yet to be figured out. And I think, um, you know, quarterback suddenly has become more of a given. It, it was a huge point of intrigue all spring. That changed last week. Now, as it, as it pertains to Sims, I mean, I, I do think he was a great get for Nebraska. I think as you as we've gone on in this cycle and you've seen other quarterbacks move and kind of how that's turned out, uh, I think we could look back, you know, in a year or so or even less than that and say, man, you know, Nebraska got a steal. Because if you think about Sims, if he, if he were to have gone into the portal uh, last week from Georgia Tech, I don't know that Nebraska would have gotten him. I think there would have been a lot more attention from teams that were desperate for a quarterback. Um, and, and we got a chance to see firsthand, 
even in the spring game, what he can do in terms of his speed, decision-making, accuracy. Uh, you know, he has one of those even keel personalities that I think can really benefit a team and benefit an offense, short memory, um, you know, someone who doesn't seem like he gets too emotionally caught up, similar to Casey Thompson, I think, in that way. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's that maybe it's quieter now, but I think his impact and, and the fact that Nebraska got him out of the portal, uh, while it seemed big at the time, I feel like it's going to seem bigger as we get closer to and into the season. Evan, you were there at all those open practices uh, with me and you know with all the members of the media. You went to all of the all the press conferences. You did a lot of great writing. I want to know as a whole the the entirety of the spring, the four weeks or five weeks, whatever it was. What was your biggest takeaway from just being around the program, being at those practices, listening to Coach Rule, listening to all you know, Coach Tony White and all the coaches? What was your biggest takeaway from the spring? Yeah, you're right. We got to see a lot, talk to a lot of people, uh, even through the winter, got to uh, meet and and, and learn from a lot of the assistants that were on staff. To me, the availability or the, or the, the interview or whatever, um, that stands out to me was the week before the spring game. I think it was April 15th when it was just Matt rule. And he came off right off the field at Memorial stadium to a handful of us, um, in West stadium to talk about it. And I thought, his breakdown of the scrimmage and his his takeaway from some of some of the things that ail this team really resonated. I mean, if you if you recall, that was the day the defense uh, won the scrimmage. He said they won the day, but they commit a boneheaded penalty late yeah. that gives the offense an untimed down. They score and they walk off. and And I think that that moment really reflects a lot of the frustration that Nebraska football has gone through in the last handful of years. Is you know, you, you have your moments, you have your flashes, but that, there's that one critical mistake and you lose the game. And I, I think he got a sense of that. Uh, his his emphasis from that point on situational awareness, I think, was really interesting. Uh, just knowing down and distance, knowing, um, you know, what you can do, what you can't do from a football standpoint and putting his guys in situations where, you uh, you know, maybe the point of it wasn't even necessarily to to win the rep against somebody, but the point of it was to know what the situation was so you made the smart football play. And I think so often Nebraska's had the talent. They've been equals with their opponents in that regard. It's been just in the mental side of things that has been lacking. So I thought his uh, Matt Rule's uh, ability to identify that and to focus on that was really telling, and it'll be interesting to see how much of that translates onto the field this fall. Evan, I love that you brought that up because I think that was the same press conference he brought up that he got that from practicing with Bill Belichick in the New England mm-hmm. Patriots when he was at Carolina. That's something that we haven't we didn't bring up here, but I thought that stood out to me as well too because I've been told the best coaches steal like artists, right? And the fact that he was able to go and you know watch Belichick coach and then take that and then, like you said, relate that to what Nebraska football has been—that was a great answer, absolutely. Yeah. Great answer. Yeah. And, and Evan, you can you can feel free to, to take that. Jeff Sims isn't getting enough hype thing. To <laughs> yeah, the you, world can, you can make a column. <laughs> see if we can put that out there. I you know, we need to really get the Kool-Aid flowing here. It's we, May. We need, we need to support the Nebraska writer of the year. Not that <laughs> not that you need it or anything, but we'll we'll give you all your column ideas. Oh uh, yeah, you know, there's not nearly enough hype around Nebraska football. No, right not now, so. nearly. And there's let, not let, nearly let, enough column ideas could go around at the World Herald either. <laughs> Let's address that. Thank you guys for your service on that. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the time. Uh, we appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> Thanks, guys.
Thank you, Evan. All right, that's Evan Bland, Omaha World Herald. Um, the best as always. Yeah, I, I just just came to me. Jeff Sims isn't getting hyped up. I What's think up Evan was completely right about I think that. It's right. I mean, oh, yeah. absolutely, it's the yeah. position battle. You're, you're waiting to happen. You're waiting for you know. You're waiting to see who's going to win it, right? And then it's well. So much for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I guess he won. I guess he won. I guess it's over. And then so it's just now with him, and I and I totally agree with you. It's kind of you're waiting until, what, August uh, 26th or whatever. What's the first game? That was a terrible guess, I think. Uh, the first. I kept saying. I keep saying the Thursday against Minnesota. Let me get the actual date. I got it's it. It's the 31st. 31st. It's the I wasn't, 31st, I yeah. wasn't too off. There Five you days. Yeah. You know. The tomato, tomato. It was actually the the Saturday, the Saturday. Who cares? Let's go to a break. <laughs> hey, uh, we've got more uh, on some spring football thoughts, some narratives, uh, some talking points that that are going around, as well as where some of the Huskers landed in the NFL draft, uh, the undrafted guys as well, uh, and a football commit uh, just happened yesterday. We'll tell you who that was. Uh, he's a legacy guy. So uh, he's, uh, he's, he's keeping the bloodlines going strong here in Lincoln. Uh, that all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Our thanks to Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald. If you missed him last segment uh, or anything else, on any of our shows, you can always head over to KLIN.com, find us on Husker Max, you can find the podcast there, or just, hey, find the KLIN Husker Hour on your favorite podcast app, and uh, we're everywhere. subscribe to the show and, and download those episodes as they come. You can listen to us literally anytime. Any place. And you can usually watch us on the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers, not this weekend. Um, we're recording this on Friday. We don't have to tell them. I know. But, I mean, we were talking about Maryland last segment with Evan, like, hey, oh, Maryland's sure, coming sure, up. Oh, sure, 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 sure. They technically it's, should have played a game already. It's yeah, that, yeah, it's yeah, that, yeah, It's that no, magic that's of a great radio. Point. Yeah. It's a great point. One great thing point. that has fully happened is the NFL draft, and we did find out a couple Huskers were selected before the end of the seventh round, and, and they were both in the sixth, two picks away from each other. O'Shawn Mathis was the, actually the first Husker off the board. He went number 189 overall to the Rams. And then Trey Palmer goes 191, two picks later, to the Bucks. I mean, we'll see how they fit in there. O'Shawn I, Mathis I, I think going O'Shawn, before Palmer was a little bit of a surprise based on a lot of the projections. I, I totally agree. I think with O'Shawn, um, I think it's a great spot for him. The L.A. Rams, playing next to Aaron Donald helps a lot of people. Yeah, that It just would, does. That wouldn't be bad. And they've done it with Leonard Floyd before, where they just bring in pass rushers who maybe not a lot of people or a lot of people overlooked or didn't completely believe in. Now, granted, Floyd had four full seasons of, of playing NFL football before he came in, but became yeah. a pro bowler, rejuvenated his career. Uh, and, and I think that that D-line um, and, and just the defense in general shows that they can bring the best out of defensive linemen. I just think it's he's with good coaches. He's in a good system. He's They won a Super Bowl, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. So, I think that's great for Oshan. Trey, I don't think he got the best. I don't think he got the best roll of the dice. So he's going to be in Tampa with, with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, which I think is great in that department. Mm-hmm. And I, you got Cameron Brait, 
as well, playing some tight end. But who's uh, throwing you the ball? So that's the thing, <laughs> right? It, it doesn't matter to Mike Evans so much just because Mike Evans is Mike Evans. He'll yeah. get 1,000 yards beside himself. But for a guy like Trey, I don't know, Kyle Trask, make it his rookie you know, start. And is that he's where Baker trying... Mayfield? Did what? they get Baker? I'm pretty sure Baker Mayfield went down to Tampa. But once again, not, and, and yeah, once again, not Oklahoma Baker Mayfield. No, folks. no. Yeah. So at least Mayfield has an arm. I think he went down there. Let me go. I gotta look it up. I mean, they got it. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Blaine Gabbert isn't the starter for. Um, yeah. So Baker's gonna be in in Tampa. Well, you know where Blaine Gabbert is in Kansas City. Kansas City. I mean, you spent three years behind the goat. You think that they'd give you a shot to start again with Blaine Gabbert the being the back, goat. the former, well, the goat. Now he's behind the goat. He he is. Nope, no, he's not. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think I think Trey I definitely he needs a quarterback. Young young receivers like that who may not. You know, he's Trey isn't Marvin Harrison Jr. who yeah. will be a top pick next year. He's not Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's not uh, Zay Flowers. Quentin he's not Johnston. Quinn Johnson. Yeah. He's not Jordan Addison. No Rushy offense. Rice. No offense to Trey, but he's not that caliber of a prospect. And I do think that. Having a quarterback, an elite level quarterback, definitely would have helped. It would have helped any wide receiver. Yep. So I think that's a little bit of a concern. Also, too, the reason why Trey fell so so long, a lot of people were thinking third round, he didn't run routes at the combine. He, yep. It was all it was all forty, and yep. so people were a little concerned about that, which is why he fell to the sixth. Mm-hmm. When I think a lot of people thought he had a third, fourth round type of projection, especially after the season, the record-breaking season he had. Yeah. Uh but I we'll see what happens. Look, Trey Palmer, he he's been underestimated his entire career. I would not be surprised in the slightest if he becomes a superstar. He has he, that type of talent and that type of speed and he's got the best mentality you can have as a wide receiver. Confidence, and you need that confidence to be that guy. Look, Al, Al Davis not alive anymore. Otherwise, he would have been a first rounder. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he fell to the sixth, he's going to wake up pissed off when he gets to the league. I'm telling he'll you, be, look, he'll be look, ready to go. The, there was he fell, and, and maybe for right reasons, and maybe he's not in the best situation that you can be in. But it's Trey Palmer. It's Trey Palmer. No one thought that Trey Palmer would have the season he did in Nebraska, and no, a lot of people gave up on him after he left LSU. Frankly, Frank, yeah, frankly, frankly. So. Once again, it's it's not the best waters that he's in, but it's Trey Palmer. That's rest, all I can say. Rest of the former Huskers uh, in, in terms of where they landed as undrafted free agents. Garrett Nelson with the Dolphins, Travis Vokalek with the Ravens, Caleb Tanner to the Jets, Oliver Martin to the Jaguars, Chris Kalarovic to the Bears, and long snapper Brady Weiss to the Texans. Garrett Nelson, actually, the Dolphins used one of their top 30 visits on him. Yeah. So they did actually like him a lot, I think, and, and Vokalek – Playing there under Mark Andrews with Baltimore, um, that's not a bad place to be. You could carve out a similar Jack Stoll-like role as he plays in Philly behind Dallas Goddard. I got two hot takes for you. They run the ball a lot. That fits his game, too. I think Garrett Nelson, if he can make an impact on special teams in Miami and he Mm -hmm. can stick to that roster, he'll eventually get a second contract as a defensive end. I really do believe that because I think that guy has proven that he is the hardest-working dude in the room. He's willing to do what it takes to win. He's doing what it takes to, to to be the best player he can be. It's just whether or not he sticks in an NFL team, and it's going to come down to special teams because that's just how it is. That's just how it goes. Yeah. And another guy, and it's going to surprise you, that I think will make an NFL roster outright, Oliver Martin. I really think that Oliver Martin, if I had to pick a guy to make a roster from those undrafted dudes, I would say Oliver just because he returned punts. 
He's really fast, super athletic. Mm-hmm. He can play on special teams. And we've seen in some very big games that he can have big catches and he can stretch the field out. So I think that, do I think Oliver Martin is going to be a premier wide receiver in the NFL? More than likely not. That's just kind of how it works. But I think he will be on an NFL roster just because of his athleticism, his versatility, and his understanding with special teams. And that's so important to making those NFL rosters. Hey, Trey Palmer is not going to have his quarter a quarterback. And as Trey good Palmer, as, the same thing stands with Trey Palmer. Special not teams. A, not as good a quarterback throwing him the ball as as Oliver Martin no. will have in Jacksonville. No, a couple uh, former, a couple of legacy uh, pursuits for various Nebraska teams. Uh, one goes the other way, and, and one goes Nebraska's way. Women's basketball, Anisha Morrow, son of, or daughter of Ed Morrow Sr., sister of Ed Morrow of former Nebraska men's basketball fame. Uh, she goes to LSU instead of Amy Williams' squad. I mean, defending national champs, tough to tough to, tough criticize to that move. Uh, but uh, on the good side, Nebraska football getting a commit from tight end from the Kansas City area, Keelan Smith, son of Neil Smith, former Kansas City Chiefs great, Husker All-American. He was the number two overall pick back in the late 80s. He was in Dominican Sioux before in Dominican Sioux at number two overall, if you want to think about it that way. Uh, Keelan is uh, 6'3", 205, will play tight end uh, from the Kansas City area. That's an area that, that Matt Rule, I think, wants to kind of focus in on. So your 500-mile radius, your mm-hmm. standard, you know, go and get the best players from there. Uh I agree. Focus in on that area. Do you have a thought you want to finish before I kind of cut you off there? No, no, no. Go for it. Um, great article by Brian Munson of Husker Online, kind of detailing Keelan uh, and his commitment. And do you know what he said? He said he wants to he wants to um, go above his father's legacy. He wants to have a greater legacy at Nebraska than his father did. Going to be going to be tough, but that's all American. Men- hey, going to be tough. Yeah, but he got to love the mentality, right? Gotta love that. That's that's mentality you have to have, and I think it's a really good pickup. And you know, adding now here's the thing: he's an athlete, and he also did detail in that same article on Husker Online that they he's still growing. Mm-hmm. So right now he's around six three. He could be around six five, yeah. and, and he's very willing to play in any position. So we're talking about a guy who can range anywhere from maybe a wide receiver all the way to he could be a middle linebacker. You know? Yeah. So by the way, that's six. 2024 commits for That's big. Uh, Nebraska football. You've got Roger Gradney, Willis McGahee, the fourth, Ian Flint, Ashton Murphy, Gibson Pyle, and Keelan Smith. Only one of those from the state of Nebraska, three from Texas, yeah, those, Kansas those, City, and Florida. Those Nebraska commits, they're, they're still there. They're still the Nebraska prospects still out there, and, and I think it'll be a little bit, yeah, a little bit until it happens. But I think that uh, you got a lot of guys like you know you got Caleb Benning still out there. You got um, Nelson. Still, yeah, no, yeah, still, he, still out there. So I think those Nebraska commits are, are still yet to come, and those prospects are still waiting. Yeah, Carter Nelson uh, is going to be a, a big target, and a lot of guys at Bellevue West. Isaiah, McMor- Isaiah McMorris yeah. has set a Nebraska visit. Uh, Davon Hall, another wide receiver over there. You still got Rayola creeping mater. in the background. He got visited by the uh, by the coaching staff. He hasn't, he hasn't committed anywhere. Has I he? know he has not. The not saga. yet. The they, saga continues. They visited him. They visited him. We could get a resurgence here. <sighs> So he Usa. only has one official visit. Only Usa. one official. Yeah, only one. All right, uh, we're going to be back right after this to wrap things up, get you ready for the weekend here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Stay with us. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers, this is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN.
Before we go, uh, Nebraska men's track and field got a relays team victory at the Drake Relays last Saturday. Good Hey-o. for them. Uh, and also uh, a couple of the ladies got their high jump wins um, of their own. Uh, they they got their uh, personal best. So uh, track and field, a successful day out of the Drake Relays. Uh, softball, last weekend series of – last home weekend series of the season, Courtney Wallace and Maya Felder are going to be recognized on senior day. Uh, and then Nebraska baseball, of course, is uh, out at Maryland. They are uh, they're down, down to one midweek game to go. That's at Creighton. They're going to resume – that last game and then play game three of that series last home series for the huskers uh, on the baseball side is going to be next weekend with penn state coming to town then they're at purdue to wrap up the regular season 5 30 first pitch was yesterday hopefully they won and uh, they're in line to win a series and if not then you got jace kaminska and will walsh going today and tomorrow biggest series of the year maryland yes yeah, by far. It's going to show if they're going to make any noise in the Big Ten tournament or not. What would you consider successful? A win, two no, wins, win the series, win the series, win the series. Fair enough. Got, got to stay, got to stay on the right end of things uh, on the weekend. All right, that's Matt McMaster. Happy finals week, my friend. Yeah. Cole Stukenholtz. We will see you next weekend. Go Big Red.